Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. 087 106 is our WhatsApp number. We are coming to you today from the Sugar Club with thanks to our friends in Marks and Spencers. And it is time for Movies and Booze. Uh, Fanula and Leslie and Brian uh, are still on the stage. Barbara and Declan have decided to stay because, you know, free gargle. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Brian, are the two films today comedies? Would you yes. describe them both as comedies? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, but one's kind of a horror comedy type. Yeah, one's kind thing. of like a horror comedy parody kind of thing, and then the other one is a mockumentary comedy. So it's kind of yeah, different. Uh, yeah. Sides of the uh, yeah. Would you say either of them are particularly pushing the boat though out in terms of originality? No, not well. Uh, the Blackening is kind of a little bit because it's sort of a little bit of social commentary and kind of playing with racial stereotypes in America and stuff like that. And the mm-hmm. mockumentary one is. It's very like, you know, a spinal tap and a mighty wind and um, well, waiting for Guffman and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Amy Sedaris is in that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and you probably know this, but Amy Sedaris's sister too, uh, David Sedaris, uh, the writer, and, he was, uh, and she's been in loads of films and TV shows. Yeah. And he was writing about how she gets it, because she's one of those, you'd know her, oh yeah, you're a woman. You might necessarily know her name. She gets it a lot of... Where do I know you from? Mm. Uh, which really irritates her because her answer is, how do I know where you know me from? I can't <laughs> go through everything I've ever acted in and cross-reference it. With, I don't have the time for that. So oh, over a, a period of years, she got fed up with that. And she, her answer now is, if someone says, where do I know you from? She points at them and says, wow, you must watch a lot of porn then. Hey! <laughs> That usually shuts them up. Uh, so, what's our three wines today, Leslie? Uh, so, actually, some really interesting wines today. Um, three, what I would consider modern classics, um, but you don't see that often. So, um, the first one that everyone is drinking right now is an old bush vine, Chenin Blanc from South Africa. Chenin Blanc is the great grape of Vouvray and is used in various regions in the Loire, Savanier. Um, it's really high quality, can age for 50 years, uh, you know, given the right wine. Um, this is from Svartland, the coolest part of South Africa at the moment, full of these cool young winemakers full of really old vines vines in this are 35 years old which is just you get smaller more concentrated berries basically with older vines and uh, made by 22 families which they've been working with for a long time and this is like 11 20 or something reduced or no 13 euro 13 euro yeah just very little uh, then we've got a chiretto um and this is i like the bottle on that yeah yeah the chiretto oh no is oh, sorry. That, that, this is this is the shannon right? yeah, okay. yeah and then the rosé is uh chiretto yeah. which is the um basically yeah. the rosé that's made in the Valpellicella Amarone region. So okay. there's a village there called Bartolino, and you can get red Bartolino as well. If you've ever been to Lake Garda, chances are you went to Bartolino, because it's ah, right there yeah, on the... Yeah. I stayed there once, and we literally had our breakfast on the lake, uh, at the lakeside. It's a gorgeous little town. We had, we had totally eaten by the mosquitoes. No, actually, it was grand. There was, oh, God, no, was, it wasn't yeah. so And I swell up when I'm bitten, so yeah. I, look, I was like... No, it, was, it was awesome. How'd you get two seats on the plane on the way home? Nobody but, noticed. Yeah. <laughs> it would just make you look normal. Yeah. <laughs> That's really hurtful. Wow. <laughs> It was, it was autumn, so it was, yeah. it, was, it was a cooler time of the year. So yeah. You're mean. Anyway, and the third yeah. one is the Chilean, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Chilean Pinot Noir from Casablanca Valley. Again, yeah. one of the coolest parts of Chile. Yeah. So three really kind of hot right now regions we've got today. So. Okay, excellent stuff. And if, a lot of what we're talking about, Fanula, in terms of Hollywood news is stuff that isn't happening. Yeah, love it. The strike. Love the strikes. Uh, Dune is officially delayed. I think I talked about it a couple of weeks ago that Warner Brothers were considering delaying it, but it's officially delayed now. It was supposed to be at the end of this year, but it's been pushed back to March 15th of next year. So you won't get to see Timothy Chalamet and the Space Worms and 
whatever. Sandworms. 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 Whatever. <laughs> I mean, Sandworms in space. No, yeah. they're in the planet. They 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 don't leave the planet. They're just in. John, don't get him started, please. Can okay. We just no, and like, first of all, like it's a, okay. Sorry. Yeah. And the Benekednesset, and um, sorry, I know a bit about this as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, we won't get that until March. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah. God. Um, but what's also been pushed out because that's moved to March now is Godzilla X Kong, the new Empire. So that was supposed to be in the new Dune release, but that's been pushed out to April twelfth of next year. Right. So, so this. A Godzilla film has been pushed out. Yeah, Godzilla X Kong. X, what does that mean? As in, like, it's Godzilla and King Kong, I would imagine, having a scrap. Okay, I okay. thought that was the last one. Was yeah, it was, yeah, but now they're having another one. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. They never stopped. That's oh, literally like oh, a oh. rematch. <laughs> yeah. They're putting the, the water in from the Fukushima reactor is going into, the, yeah, into yeah. the sea. Yeah. And then they just have to wait to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So is this like Godzilla and Kong, or it's like a story of a deteriorating marriage? Uh, kind of, yeah. It actually sounds like marriage story, but with, <laughs> yeah. but with Godzilla monsters. and King Kong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, we can wait for that one. They uh, should write into it. Why do they, why do they need a writers, uh, a writers for that one anyway? <laughs> Just like play the old one. Just bash the same thing. Okay, Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Now, this obviously isn't there. It's over here, so there is no writer's strike for this kind of thing. This has happened already, so it's, oh, right. like it's okay. coming out imminently. We got our first look at it this week. Um, it's called All of Us Strangers, and as you said, stars Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. It's like a sexy, gay, ghost movie, which is every genre that I enjoy. Um, so it's from Andrew High. He's a British filmmaker. He did uh, Weekend and another critically high movie that I haven't seen but has gotten lauded, uh, Lean on Pete. Uh, but this particular movie, uh, Andrew Scott plays a guy called Adam. He's a screenwriter and he meets this guy who's called Harry, who's played by Paul Mescal, and they fall in love and presumably fumbling around and all that jazz. But he starts like... <laughs> Is that what happens, Declan? Like, yeah. Fumbling yeah. around. Yeah. <laughs> but only if it's your first time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they're in love. They're doing things that people in love do. and uh, But he starts visualising his long dead parents, which kind of vibe killer, but whatever, I don't know, I haven't seen the movie. Um, they're played by Claire Foy and Jamie Bell. This is like Claire Foy's kind of next biggest thing since The Crown. She kind of mm. hasn't done anything. She probably has done bits in between, but nothing of the same kind of ilk. Um, so that's coming out in... What? I'm just thinking she's kind of being typecast as the queen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what happens. She she's the mother of a queen. Hey! queen. <laughs> no, I mean she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this movie is coming out in December uh, 22nd, but that's the US release date. I don't think we have a release date over here yet, so watch this page. But I would imagine it's in around the same. Okay, but it's an English film. It's set in England. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, okay, right, sexy That sounds a lot better than the, the, one, the other one about the monsters and whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd prefer that one. Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott kissing, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Just really the Andrew Scott bit that I like. Are you not a Paul Mescal fan? No, not really. I think it was the GAA shorts that killed it for me. Oh, okay. She's from South County, Dublin. (laughs) If it was rugby, she'd be all over us. Yeah. 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 So, Leslie, tell us about about our first wine. Okay, so the first wine, as I was saying, is called 22 Families, Old Bush Vine, Chenin Blanc from Svartland. Svartland is uh, kind of a rural area, not far from, from Cape Town, um, but it's... I mean, it sounds like Fartland. You do know that. Yes, yes, Theme. Serious, serious. He laughed. So, Chenin Blanc would be the largest grown white grape in South Africa. It would be their... 
everyday grape. It's used for, you know, five euro bottles to their 50 euro bottles. It's, it's, it has been taken a lot more seriously now. They used to call it Steen back in the day. Um, but nowadays, everyone proudly calls it Chenin Blanc. Um, South Africa was, was out of the market for many, many years. So it's only, you know, come back now. But it is actually, it has gone from being completely uncool to coming back in after the sanctions were listed, but the wine's been completely old-fashioned with a few bright sparks um, and then sort of suddenly then a rush of energy towards good stuff, then some disease problems and scandals to do with adulteration, and finally now it's come into its own, right? So it is actually now Jesus, currently... Jesus, a lot of the, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, 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 it's a fascinating wine region. I mean, all, all I'm getting is 22 families and adultery or something. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that oh South Africa as a wine region has gone through every Every problem you can imagine. It started with us all not, obviously banning them, not drinking it during the apartheid years, yeah. to the fact that the South African wine growers were the most um, anti-Mandela going into power of any industry because they were going to miss it and their cheap convict labour, um, which they were paying in... Um, in yeah. basically spirit, you yeah. know, to keep them quiet. Um, and it was honestly not a pleasant industry. These days, there are black winemakers. Um, there's only one or two black-owned farms, but they're a lot more visible. Um, things have... There was a huge... A Scandinavian documentary about the, about the way workers are treated in South African vineyards a few years ago, but that has woken the industry up a bit. But what's happened now is there are loads of young people, who, young South Africans who went to Australia and went to the Languedoc and met other pretty young people and they've gone back and they've bought land in the Swartland or they're buying grapes in the Swartland and in these other small regions which are really old vine, cool places. And what's also happened is there's an amazing woman called Rosa Kruger. This is a bit nerdy now, but she's basically a, a, a viticulturalist, a, um, a vine specialist. And she has gone to every single vineyard in South Africa virtually this stage and found rows of old vines as in 150 year old you know um, obscure grapes that are not really kind of grown anywhere else um, and has found a way for these small boer farmers and small black farmers occasionally to monetize the fantastic old grapes that they are growing in a way that is not being used uh, you know, rather than just selling them in bulk to the co-op because mm. everything was going through the co-op to the, in South Africa for a long time. They're now selling them to the small cool winemakers. We're getting natural wines. There's companies like Blank Bottle. Um, Marks and Spencer's have a great range and this is, it's great to see them you know, pushing this kind of old and a bush vine by the way is a vine that grows that's not attached to anything. Normally vines are climbing things and they're attached to wires. This grows like a little bush basically like you might have seen in oh. Chetnam to Path and so as a result you can dry farm them so there's no irrigation or anything needed and it's, it's incredibly environmentally friendly um, and uh, generally they're organic as well because it's just too damn awkward to try and um, put anything on them um, and it might be a little bit of spraying but anyway look so I just think there's loads of texture and flavour in this mm. um, and I think for 13 euro it's unbelievably good value I mean I'm loving now, some people find the sort of cheesy smell of, of Shannon a bit odd but I actually really like that sort of textured kind of it, it hits you initially a little richer a little sweeter and then the acidity kicks in and the mm. reason it can last for, for so many years is because of the acidity um, um, so I don't know what people think of it, yeah, but... Uh, I'm not getting cheesy, just, really. Yeah, okay, good, good, good. Yeah. Parmesan cheese is one of those things sometimes yeah. smell, smell it. Oh, yeah, I smell Ryan Turbidy. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> we do have to take a commercial break back in a couple of minutes. <laughs> oh! <laughs> 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 Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. been on top I've been down below 
Being in some places where you wouldn't want the kids to go I've done some things I'm not proud of On the long and bumpy journey to the place where I found love I've been stood up I've been stood down Yeah, I've been locked in a cage I've been run out of town But there is just one thing That I'm certain of I'd do it all again To get to where I found love Some people say a man's worth is made up of money and such But what use is money to a man if he never finds that love and touch? the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Coming to you today from the Sugar Club with thanks to our friends uh, in Marks and Spencer. That was the second hit of Freddie White there singing his own song, That Loving Touch, That Voice. Isn't it yeah. extraordinary? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Freddie's actually is playing tomorrow night in Walters and Dunleary, but that's sold out. Uh, all the ukulele people must be going to that. Uh, there, there is another gig in September the, on September the 13th in Whelan's in Dublin. I recommend you Woo. see him. Freddie, thanks a million. Uh, now, uh, uh, is... Uh, oh, he's absolutely milking it there. Uh, right, so is, uh, is Ruth Egan in the audience? That was the smallest little wave I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Ruth. Hello. <laughs> on, on a scale of 1 to 10, how mortal are you right now? Yeah, probably 20. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. The, uh, and the reason why I picked out Ruth, because on Wednesday it was our birthday. Oh! <laughs> 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 Scarlet. <laughs> Absolutely Scarlet. 
I won't torture you for too long. I just want to let you know, when the divorce proceedings start, it was Seamus who put us up to this. <laughs> we are going to give you two tickets to see New Order at the Three to Rio. Thank you so much. Uh, plus a bottle of each of today's wines wow. from M&S and some other goodies as well. You enjoy all those. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, good stuff. Happy birthday to you as well. Right, uh, we'll uh, move on to our uh, second uh, wine of the day, the rosé. Okay, so we are now gone to uh, the Lake Garda region, which is basically near Veneto. So not about 40 minutes from Verona, um, so in the northeastern part of, of uh, Italy. Um, so little town of Bardolino, um, and on the, the high hills, if you're in the town of Bardolino, looking at Lake Garda, if you look to your right and up on the high hills, that's where Amarone and Valpolicelle comes from. And if you look behind you to the right, um, as opposed to the left, you will see the hills where Bardolino is made. And Bardolino is like Valpolicello, but they also make uh, rosé, called Chiaretto, C-H-I-A-R-E-T-T-O. And I'm pretty certain that is how you pronounce it. I know I'm putting on a, posh Italian, a funny Italian accent, but you have to. You kind of have to. Well, they you don't put on fun. the weird vo- yeah, words. Yeah. If you don't kind of put emphasis on, you know, say it with me, Chiaretto. Anyway, Chiaretto. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So basically that's how it is. Anyway, so grapes are Corvina, Rondinella Molinara. So this is made by Super Mario, this yeah, one. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Nay. <laughs> uh, Corvina is the main grape, um, which is the, the main high-quality grape there, and probably a little bit of Cor- Corvinoni, which is close, well, we used to think was the same grape, but it's related, um, and Rondinella Molinara, and this is the exact same grape you'd get in Amarone. Um, it's just got red fruit, nice bit of freshness, nice acidity. They're always dry. You're never going to get a sweet one of these, so you know, a lot of roses in the supermarket are sweet. If you find Chiaretto, it, it rarely is. There are a couple of independent ones around, but um, it's, it's a hard... It's not one that's readily available. I can only think of one or two others that are available. So it's great that Marks and Spencers have this. Normally 14 down to 11.20 at the moment. So. Mm. Yeah, wow. it is lovely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love the bottle. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, the bottle yeah. is deadly. Yeah. It looks like a gin bottle. It That'd does. be great for putting a candle <laughs> in after. So, yeah, yeah, you know, you yeah, get... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I really no, exactly like it. Not to, and it, it's got good stability. Or if so, it was full of gin. That, there's that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, as, it's an, got, as it's a got wine It's got a big bottom. Like, you know, uh, the perfect a big for, bottom. Yeah. That's probably why I like it. Just for, 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 <laughs> I'm identifying with yeah. the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. likes big butts, but she just don't care. That's what it is. Can, can I just say, people um, will sometimes dismiss rosé as a, oh, for summer or for light things or for simple things mm. or for, you know, picnics. It's a fantastic match for, for um, Indian food. Yeah, it yeah. really is. And for several dishes, and as, as a good all-rounder, it really does match food well. Because that little touch of creamy sweetness that you get always with that first taste can <laughs> cut into any um, acidity that you're going to get from chilli heat. And then the acidity that, and, and the freshness then will, will, will cool you down. Lager is the worst thing to have with Indian, hot Indian food because you're putting acid on acid and that will just make, you just wreck you. Whereas you mm. want something with a bit of softness like this. Okay. There you go. Yeah, so I British lager louts have it all wrong. They really all do. They Who really would have do. thought? As in so many things. <laughs> yeah, you know? as in so many things. That's a surprise. Yeah. Vanula. Yes. Now, and I have a feeling Brian might have an opinion about this, because sure. uh, uh, this is like the whole thing about Christopher Nolan can't write for women. Uh, mm. uh, uh, and apparently yeah, he, apo- he apologised to Florence Pugh. Was it after the film was made or before the film? No, it was when he approached her about taking the role. I actually still haven't seen Oppenheimer. Yeah. We're going to be. I know the scene. I know, guys. I haven't been in the form since. No spoilers. Years. Don't no. tell her how it ends. <laughs> but I know she's like the love interest, and I know like there's a few racy scenes or whatever. But for anyone who has seen it, I'm aware like her role is like quite small. So when mm. Christopher Nolan approached her about the role, he was kind of apologetic about it, about the fact that it was so small. But she was essentially like, you're Christopher Nolan, and obviously this is going to be one of the biggest movies 
ever essentially so no, I'm grand no with small it parts, only small actors, no too. small parts only small actors there you go so she was delighted yeah to be in it but they, it is this whole thing of for anyone who has seen it the debate after of the fact that like Christopher Nolan cannot write women I think kind of applies to Florence's character and Brian is nodding in Oppenheimer because you do even if you think of the past films like women generally don't appear much and when they do they're kind of Accessory placeholder, mm, two-dimensional yeah. characters, largely. Yeah, fridge basically is the whole. Thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's machine. No, or, uh, no, or washing machine. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, but there is this, there is this like trope called fridging, um, and it's essentially what it is: is that the female character will die in order for the male character to have some sort of motivation to go on and do whatever. Ah, right, yeah. do it. It's a common thing, like, and Christopher Nolan is famous for it. Like, you had it in The Prestige, you had it in Inception. And in Oppenheimer, there is an element of it, Mm. um, because Florence Pugh's character, Jean Tatlock, um, it's talked about, and it's kind of referenced in the film where she might have been murdered or she might have taken her own life. It's not really 100% certain what happened. All to know is that uh, she died, and it had a huge impact on Robert Oppenheimer to a point of... It's, again, that thing of, like, fridging that, like, a woman has to die in order for the male character to succeed or to go on and do the great thing. Like, in saying that, it is a common... Like I said, it's a very, very common complaint. I don't think, though... I don't think these actors, like, you know, Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh and, you know, Scarlett Johansson and Rebecca Mm. Hall and, and, you know, all these actors... I'm sure they're aware of it, but I'm sure they're, like, happy to do the work because... It's a thing of, well, I feel like I can bring something to this. Yes, it might be conforming to a trope or whatever, but I feel like I can elevate it. Because people were talking about Florence Pugh in this film. People mm. were talking about Emily Blunt. They totally were. Yeah, so like, I, mean, I think they can, as you were saying, like no small parts, no small actors. They can take something that is a little bit underwritten and elevate it with their performance. Yeah, but they're still taking part in a, kind of, in a film where the, the women are... Yeah, kind of yeah sideline. Yeah, no, it yeah. is. I mean, like, look, that's... That's yeah, a bit I'm, of like, aren't, aren't they lucky to be there at all? <laughs> well, like, no, but I mean, like, at least they weren't pixie dream girls, you know. They weren't. Well, like, they weren't I'll know. put it to you this way: like, Barbie got the last laugh because, mm. like, you know, yeah. Barbie now is the is the uh, biggest highest film in the yeah, highest film in the Irish box office ever, ever. Mm-hmm. ever. Uh, it has the highest uh, U.S. domestic box office ever for Warner Brothers and it's probably going to sweep at the Oscars as well so like in terms of like you know have women lost out in cinema this year absolutely not so yeah how much did it make how much did Barbie, Barbie make? make at the cinema uh, 8. Year, 6 it million. made 8.8 million yeah. so it knocked off Avatar was the last like highest wow. grossing movie ever and that was in at 8.7 million so. okay that's extraordinary really yeah that's would huge you, for you, Ireland that's, that's massive yeah. I know but would you have predicted that about Barbie that yeah. it would be the highest grossing no definitely ever. like it was the, like the I've not seen uh, a press campaign go so smoothly and have s- maintained such interest like that in years. That was great. I mean, even like the secret were, might be the fact that it was it was aimed at a women's audience. No, not necessarily. I think like Barbie's are not for girls, Barbara. Oh. <laughs> Don't be so pedestrian. <laughs> may, I, may, I, may I present <laughs> me dressed in pink? I'll yeah, go and see Barbie. Yeah. Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you been to see Barbie? Yet, oh yeah, I thought Barbie was tremendous. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Like it's a masterpiece. Like yeah. that final ten minutes of yeah. the Ray Parliament. Yeah. But maybe incredible. the fact that that it's made so much money is because so many women went to see it because they went finally here's a film directed. Oh, yeah, women that speak yes, to yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the difference between definitely. it and, and so maybe Hollywood, instead of trying to 
replicate more Barbies by doing, I don't know, Cindy next year, actually take on board doing the Polly fact Pocket. that women would like to play more important roles. Well, They're doing Polly Pocket. Yes. You see? <laughs> yeah. There's an actor who's come out and said that as well, that, and I cannot remember his name. Randall Park. Yes, thank you. Uh, he's basically come out and said that Hollywood is taking the wrong message away yes. from Barbie by the fact that they're making all the toy movies and yeah. the Rock'em Sock'em Robots That's not and the, the Polly point. Pocket. It's not the point yeah. about the fact that it was from Isn't that though director. because it's actually, it's not the actors and it's not the, the, the auteurs who are driving Hollywood. It's actually these massive brands that are coming behind trying to monetize their collateral or their, their, in, their intellectual property and they're going, well, we can make our product more valuable to us and our shareholders if we can get Hollywood in on our game mm. as well. And that's what's happening with the the DC comics and it's happening with Lego and it's happening with Mattel. even even yeah Mattel and all that kind of stuff and it feels to me a little bit you know reductive as Madonna would say that it's it, they're staying in the same zone and it's not an artistic thing it's actually a kind Just of a commercial. commercial. Well, I'm not going to only I don't mean to. Oh, it's seen a TED Barbie? talk all of a sudden, doesn't it? <laughs> no, but like <laughs> Barbie is have you seen before. Barbie? No, but like. It, I haven't seen Barbie. It's no, neither of them have seen Barbie. Right, oh, you should. You get no, me all about this on air before, yeah. and I, I will go. Yeah. I'm just very busy, Sean. Oh, I know. Just I know. Got time. There's I'm cooking and cleaning and doing yeah. all the girl things. I haven't got time to go and see. Yeah, sitting on the washing. That's the joke. Just a final point. Just, I think if you see it, what you'll find is, is that they're actually taking, as you said, these very kind of commercial, very staid things and actually applying an artistic credibility and integrity to it. That is what's happening. Like, they did it with the Lego movie. It was a, a film about creativity in childhood. And then in Barbie, it's about the idea of what does it mean to be an actual woman in the world and have to live with the responsibilities and all the rest of it. So, like, I take your point. Yes, they are just, you know... Uh, leveraging uh, existing properties in order to make their property more valuable but I feel the people that they're putting in front of it to actually make it into a film do have an artistic integrity so I'll challenge you on that one. No, do I agree? I agree with you totally on that one. Okay, all right. Okay, everyone hug. We'll take a break. Back in a couple of minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. I heard screaming. Is everything okay? Ranger White? Is that you? In the flash. Is this good or bad? Wait. How do we know we can trust him? Oh, Vance. I'm one of the good ones. Oh, that does not help. They all say that. That actually makes you seem more suspicious. You can trust me. Seriously. If I got an invite to the cookout, I'd be honored, but I wouldn't go. And why the f*** not? Because I know my presence in that all-black space would be a disturbance, and undo it being an all-black space. That's a pretty good answer. Absolutely. Worse than me. There you go. That's uh, uh, the blackening. Was that like the only white character? His name is actually White? Yeah, his yeah. name is Sheriff White. Yeah, yeah. that's subtle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so what, uh, what's the premise here? So the premise is, is that a group of uh, black friends are meeting up in, uh, for the Juneteenth weekend in this remote cabin. While they're there, they find this board game called The Blackening. When they start to play it, um, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's essentially all questions about black popular culture. And if they get an answer wrong, they're going to die. <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah. And then, Is this uh, on the instructions before they open the box? No, yeah, they open up the box yeah. and they start playing and then like a video comes ah, on the right. TV and it tells them the rules of the game and then says that if they get a question wrong, they're going to be killed. And then this guy pops out and wearing one of these like um, minstrel masks. Uh, 
it and tries to chase them around the place with a crossbow and what have you. So, yeah, there yeah. you go. No, um, like, there has been a kind of run of, like, sort of... Well, there always has been a sort of social commentary in a lot of horror films, like, going all the way back to, you know, Wes Craven and the people under the stairs, where they were really taking the mick out of Ronald Reagan and conservatism and what have you. Um, but then, more recent years, you've had, like, Get Out and Jordan Peele. This is kind of ploughing that same uh, furrow, if you like. It is taking in a lot of, you know, black American popular culture, taking the the mick out of it, but then also as well. It has that thing of, like, and I'm saying this as an Irish person, as, you know, as European audiences, there are a lot of jokes in this that would just go right over the head because you, we just wouldn't have any awareness of mm. it. But then at the same time, you know, they crack jokes about Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and you totally get it and all the rest of it. Like, one of the questions is, is what season was it that Aunt Viv was replaced by an actor? Anyone know? No? Season four. Season four. Yeah. Anyways. Winter? Winter? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there's questions in it like that. <laughs> and um, that felt more like don't care rather than don't know from the audience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but that's it. Like, I mean, it's the kind of thing when you're watching it, like, it's like, you know you should be laughing at this, but yeah. you don't get the context of it at all. And that's okay, because it's a film that is very much made for an American black audience. It's very unrepentant about it. And if you don't know what it is, they're not going to spoon feed it to you. They're not going to explain it mm. to you. So... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So they play this game. Yeah. Yeah. They play this game, and one by one, they're picked off, and they're all kept inside this remote cabin because the parrot gets cut. Like it's very. It kind of gets a little bit muddled at times because sometimes it's just a straight up horror where they're being chased around the place, and it's very scary, and there's jump scares, and they're all. Ugh! And then there are other moments in it like that where it's almost like a horror parody, you mm. know, that kind of way, almost in the vein of scary movie. And then there are other moments of it where it's kind of like a horror comedy where it's just a straight-up comedy. So you're kind of have... It's not that it's tonally all over the place, but it's just it doesn't really know how to commit to either one of them, and then it's not really going the distance with either of them. Um, the guy who directed it is a guy called Tim Story. He did Barbershop back in 2002 with Ice Cube. He also did Ride Along, the two films of that, and he did that recent remake of Shaft. So you can tell that comedy is much more his wheelhouse and that horror is something that he's trying to get on with, but not really getting there mm. in the same way that Jordan Peele did. Because again, Jordan Peele came from a comedic background, like there was Keen Peele. And, you know, horror and comedy do have very similar DNA in the sense of that when you're watching it, it's completely uh, natural. You, you're either scared or you're not scared. You're either laughing or you're not laughing. So they do, it does tend to be a thing that uh, horror and comedy directors tend to flick between the two genres pretty easily. Yeah. But in this case, it didn't work that well. Yeah. But so, it's not bad. Yeah. So we're like, this is like in the middle there. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It's fine. It's like three out of five. Damned with faint praise, I think. That's yeah, I that's mean... Yeah. Like, Did you learn anything, though? <laughs> yeah, well, I learned that there's a Black National Anthem, which I didn't know there was. Um, I learned that there's a card game called Spades, which uh, they play in it. Didn't wasn't familiar with that, but I mean, other than that, no. I mean, like I knew a lot of the stuff about Fresh Prince of Bel Air and what have you. <laughs> yeah. Just because I grew up in that generation, I watched Trouble a lot. But um, yeah, no, like it's it's fine. Like it's good. It, it does have its moments. It's just it's very like this time of the year, you'll you'll find that studios like it's kind of the run. It's the final kind of run of summer blockbusters and films like Barbie or like Oppenheimer or even something like Mission Impossible are still in the, hanging on yeah. in the cinemas so they're still trying to kind of keep people coming back um, but yeah so, so they kind of squeak out these films at yeah. this time of the year because you know 
Yeah, exactly. They're just kind of, it's that halfway period between like summer blockbusters and then the outright horror films of September and October and then from November to December to January, that's Oscar season. Yeah. It must be fairly dispiriting, though, if your film is released, you know, they bring you into an office and say, oh, guess yeah. when your film's yeah, yeah. coming out? It's the same with, Jan- like, in January as well. Like, from January to February, that's, like, the cheapest of the cheap horror films get sent out in January and February. And they're usually great. Like, they're terrible, but they're great. Like, there was that film, Megan, if you remember. With oh, the- yeah, yeah, that was right? a huge Masterpiece. Yeah. yeah, masterpiece. Trash cinema, like, at its finest. Like, so, yeah, you see stuff like that in January and February. And I think a lot of the directors, they're kind of aware of it, like, that, like, they've made a film with an, a specific audience. Yeah. Like, the Blackening was released Juneteenth weekend in the US, and it got a release here now, I guess. So, yeah. And the, the, is there a bit, though, a touch of, you're a black director and you've done comedy, you yeah. know, we should make you into a Jordan Peele clone. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that. Like, I think it's more a case of, he works in the horror, sorry, he works in the comedy field and he was given this script and it had a horror element to it. And I would say Jordan Peele might have been offered it and he was like, well, I've done this before, so pass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody wants to know, have you seen, I assume they say Adam Sandler's uh, new movie. It looks oh yeah, funny. the Bar Mitzvah thing. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be brilliant, yeah. 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 Netflix didn't send me a screener of a thanks, oh, Netflix. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I hear it's going to be really good. Yeah, it's You Are So Not Coming to My Bat Mitzvah and it's Adam Sandler's daughter is in it apparently, so it's a big family affair with him. Okay, Better right. be good, though. I've heard it's good been things. a while since he's actually done a comedy, or is it? Yeah, well, he did. Uncle James was fantastic, and that was kind of like a comedy kind yeah, of thing. in a um, total anxiety-provoking way. Yeah, but yeah. hilarious as well, yeah. though. Like, you didn't know where to laugh or to be absolutely mm. terrified of it. But yeah, I mean, that was kind of the last big kind of comedy that he did. But he cranks out a lot of those Netflix comedies that people watch, like Grown Ups 2, yeah. and 3, and The Ridiculous 6. And Murder Mystery. Murder yeah. Mystery as well. Yeah, Murder Mystery Two was out with Jennifer Aniston and nobody watched it. So I uh, watched it twice. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> did you like it? No, I you know I wanted to make sure what I thought. Was there you go. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to make sure how bad it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. No, this was terrible. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Mary says the wine guy sounds very like Louis Walsh. Ooh. Oh, that's a good thing. Oh. That's not a good thing, really, is it? No. Yeah. I don't think the audience are reacting positively. Yeah, to that I don't at all. know. I don't think I've got all my hair. Um, yeah. <laughs> does Louis Walsh have all his hair? Actually, I can't remember. I have met him, but I can't remember. Yes, yeah, I don't think he does. Hair. I think he does. Yeah. Is it his own yeah. hair? I don't know. Well, he could afford. Oh, was he away to Turkey? Was he? Yeah. <laughs> Did Louis Walsh go off to Turkey? Did he and get the? We're steering into defamatory areas now. Let's not go there. They'll uh, have to go back a few weeks to the last outside broadcast to figure yeah. out my accent. Uh, please say hi to Anne and Maraid in the audience. They're massive fans of the show. Uh, that's from uh, John, Anne's loving husband, uh, and she prefers the cat Henry. Where's Anne? <laughs> there. We'll try up a couple of bottle of wines just for that. Yay. Congratulations to you. Right, so... Um, is and just like that finished now or for this season? It's finished for this season, but there is another season coming back, despite the fact every time I log on to social media, everyone's like, I hate this show. This is tripe, like kill it with fire. But they're also like, I can't stop watching. So it's been I didn't think it was gonna be renewed for a second season. And based on everything that I'd read and like talking about it with friends and even the way the story was going, I was like, they're tying this they didn't expect to get a season two. They're gonna tie it up in a neat little bowl, like Carrie goes off with Aiden and blah 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 and 
Kim Cattrall's on the phone, whatever. Um, but, uh, like, oh, aggressive shushing, sorry. Yeah. Um, but I thought they were trying it up in a nice little, neat little bow, and then it was like, done, whatever, we're not going to get a third season. But they have, it's been renewed. Like, Max came out and said that they're really excited to kind of see where the story goes with all of them <laughs> and everything like that. But it's just, I mean... Even this last episode, which I won't spoil for anyone who hasn't watched. Cause I know, it was yesterday. well reported that Kim Cattrall was oh, going to yeah. be in it, and it was going to be very brief. <coughs> Everyone knew she 71 was 71 seconds, back. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she was coming back to the Do you actually Antep. see her, or you just hear her voice? You see her, but Kim Cattrall filmed it separately. So the whole thing, again, for anyone who's not familiar <laughs> with the show, is that Carrie and Samantha are having had this kind of professional fallout. Samantha's in London now, and uh, Carrie's selling the apartment, so they have this phone call where Samantha was going to come over, but couldn't. So she's like, her to be like sorry but she's in it for legitimately 72 seconds and I'd say she made like a bajillion euro from it like you know what I mean like she made so much money just to be like Gary no like 70 seconds of her in the car like this and then like but it's I actually liked it I liked the scene but I think it also highlighted what's kind of been missing from the show and it's her and it's that dynamic and it's like the star quality that Kim Cattrall brings but I know a lot of other fans were like I hate this and it's coming across so false and it's just like she said she's never coming back to it now this is the end of her character she did also say that pretty Previously, so I'm kind of like maybe if money talks she'll okay. do another for 72 seconds though yeah, I've, yeah. It's, I'm one yeah. side of the curtain like, she's like probably as long as I don't have to be in the same room as Sarah Jessica Parker whatever like, the, why, why does she why does she hate her so much I this goes back years right I think it was an initial uh, thing around money right and kind of when Sex and the City started and Sarah Jessica Parker had a producer credit Kim didn't I think they kind of sorted things out in the interim maybe but I think it was inevitably money as it always is and there was like a very public falling out like Kim Cattrall has been way more kind of outspoken about this and she had a family member die and I remember Sarah Jessica Parker like commented on the post offering condolences and then Kim kind of fired back their own post basically being like we're not friends blah 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 <laughs> and that's kind of the line she's gone down all the time where it's like nice. I mean like we were actors we were professionals but we weren't friends you know what I mean but Sarah Jessica Parker has always been very like I love Kim like I want her to come back like I don't can't really believe, get why she's can't believe we didn't get a letter about that no. no, you know that's our kind of bailiwick. Right in, guys. That we, yeah. yeah, that we could. Have well, started. Harris in Dublin says, "Can we be real?" And just like that, isn't that bad? The second season is watchable. I think people like slagging it off. I, oh, this is my issue with it. Like, we like you can like things without being like, oh, I hate this. It's so terrible. There's no such thing as guilty pleasures. If you like, if you like it, fine. Let's yeah, embrace right. that. Like, I can't with this narrative of like, it's the worst. But you're you're watching it though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you really hated it, it you yeah. wouldn't. Watch it. And I, I agree. I think this season has been, like, there have been misses for sure. But, like, I've watched wor- worse TV. Like, I've watched <laughs> The Idol this year and I live to tell the tale. But, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like somebody, like, oh, who hates broccoli, eating broccoli and going, I hate this broccoli, but I can't stop eating the broccoli. <laughs> Honestly, like... You've got a broccoli problem. And it's, yeah. It's, it's not bad like the movies were bad because the movies were just terrible. And if this is bad... Oh, my God, like, I watched the second one recently oh, and I, the, everyone involved in that should be in prison, in my yeah. opinion. Like, that was, <laughs> I'd never watched it before and I just thought it was like, oh, it's bad, but it's just like... It's so it's dull. It's so offensive in ways that I'm like, this was made in like the late... Like yeah. 2010s, like how or early 2010s, is it's just beyond, beyond. That's bad. If you think I'm just like that is bad, go back and watch Sex and City too, because that's bad, bad. I think we all need to drink after after that. <laughs> right, we'll have a break. Do that after this. <laughs> Movies and booze. I'm Moncrief. 
on News Talk. Now it's time for a red wine, Leslie. Okay, so final wine is Matetic, M-A-T-E-T-I-C, Pinot Noir, from the Casablanca Valley in Chile. So this is cool climate Chilean Pinot Noir. Um, Pinot Noir, as we all probably know, is the Burgundy grape. And if you've seen Sideways, that's the grape that uh, Miles is obsessed with. And, you know, you'll see in it that it's used as a metaphor because he says it's, it's sensitive grape. It doesn't do well outside of its home environment. And it's to be minded carefully, just like Miles. And, and that is true. It, it is a difficult grape to grow. Um, it grows really well in Burgundy. It grows really well in um, kind of Oregon and kind of the Pacific coast of America. Carnarus, you know that fog in San Francisco? Bay, you go there in August, it's all foggy. That allows for cool breezes coming in. So there's some amazing Pinot Noirs from, from there, mm. um, from, from the northwest coast of California. Um, there's the southern part of New Zealand, um, central Otago, and also Marlborough a little bit as well. So cool climate, interesting places. But the best value Pinot Noir of all that's drinkable is Chilean stuff from the Casablanca Valley. So you're a bit of narrow, a bit northwest of Santiago on the coast. It's really cold. I don't know if you're in some in the Pacific, but it's really bloody cold. <laughs> and it, you are, it is genuinely um, cold climate in that sense. I mean, you're in a relatively mild during the daytime, but if you go anywhere near the water and those cold breezes do come in. So um, Chile does have the advantage of a bit more fruit. So um, I think this has got some lovely sort of dark cherries and sort of ripeness and so on, but also those classic kind of earthy, gamey notes you get from Pinot Noir. And I think it's a, it's a decent example. I know it's a little more expensive. It's 18 euros. Yeah. But... Sorry, Pinot Noir is, if you want to drink it, it's, you have to pay money, you know? Yeah, the yeah. 10 European Noirs don't taste like Pinot Noir. Yeah. If it's so cold, yeah. like when you say it's really cold there in yeah. Chile, how cold? Well, okay, so I went swimming at 7 o'clock in Navidad, which is Christmas in, in, yes. on, the, on the Pacific coast, yeah. um, and, uh, and it was grand. It was cold, but it was like Ireland. And this is December, the hottest mm. month of the year, right? Um, I tried going again the next morning, and it was ice cold. I mean, ice cold. I just, I, so I'm not saying the weather is cold. I mean, but it, the, yeah. the, 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 I mean, the walking around, you didn't need, like, jumpers and stuff. But at the same time, it, you know, those cold breezes coming in from the Pacific Coast, and Chile's a very long, narrow country, they are affecting the vineyards, and they are allowing for somewhat cool climate wines. Yeah. Look, I mean, there's a reason Chile's number, number one in Ireland. It's 26% or something of the market of all, all the wine we drink. Well, given, yeah. given, given, that, it's, given that it's cold, could yeah. we not grow... Um, grapes here in Ireland. There's cold and then there's cold. You, you need a consistent 26 to 30 degrees in July, Summer. August, or in their equivalent, which is, uh, which is March, April, we fall to ripen the grapes. And we just don't get the ripening seasons right. You, we, okay. we don't get consistent 25 to 30 degrees in August and July. Our summers are crap, in other words. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're just not warm enough. Having said that, there is a bloke, a French bloke, growing grapes, and I've seen the vineyard, well, I've seen pictures of the vineyard down in near Gori, and he's convinced. He got leader funding and everything, like he got government funding to grow a vineyard. He's French, he has plenty of money, and he's convinced he can do it. Uh, now, we haven't seen the wine yet, and that was about four or five years ago. He showed me those photographs. I haven't, he's disappeared. So, is it under <laughs> the, the grapes are covered or something? Uh, no, he was growing outside. He was convinced he could do it outside. Now, look, David Llewellyn in, in Lusk in, in County Dublin, he's yeah. growing them, but what he does is um, to ripen the grapes, he puts plastic over them for most of July and August, uh, and then they kind of sweat in that, and then yeah. they Ripen in that, okay. and you need to do that. And even his still are little, they're a little greenish, and not, not in a bad way, but in a yeah. kind of northern Loire way kind of thing, you know. So, yeah, look, it's going to be a while yet before we get warm enough summers to. Another decade of global yeah. warming, yeah. and we'll be grand. Absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah. Right, we'll move on to our second film of the day, Theatre Camp. Here's a clip. Very good. Devin, the accent's all over the place, but it's much better. Mackenzie, extraordinary. Extraordinary. Work on the accent. Amazing. Amazing. Stop! She's using. 
pensa. Tear stick. It's just chapstick, I swear. Give it to me. Oh my god. Mackenzie, I'm not mad. I'm just furious. Your tears shall come from within, from the story, from the words on the page, not from some emotional grenade that you smuggled in. Right. <laughs> that was that. We were laughing for people who couldn't see that. Even there was a scene where the teachers jump on the stage and they both did it in a rather theatrical yeah, yeah. Uh, way. They would have been taught to do it. So it's, this is a theatre camp for kids. Exactly that, yeah. So what's going on in this is, is that Amy Sedaris runs this theatre camp called Adiron Axe, and it's in upstate New York. She suffers a stroke. And her son, who's this, like, tech bro, he's played by Jimmy Tatro. He's this, like, famous YouTuber, apparently. I don't know. I never heard of him. But um, apparently, yeah. So, I don't know. Anyways, he's this, like, finance influencer uh, who arrives in, tries to take over the camp, but the existing staff that are already there, which is played by Molly Gordon and Ben Platt, um, they're still running the show, and there's a little bit of conflict with it. He's trying to get the kids... He's trying to turn the camp into some sort of money-making... kind of thing like for example he gets them to he gets all the he grabs all the kids and turns them into waiters for one night and then they think that it's actually an acting exercise that they're doing scene work in it and all the rest of it and they're like coming up with these backstories to like oh you know i've got cancer but don't worry i'm working through it and all these yeah. like five-year-old like five and six-year-old kids going through all this it's hilarious and what i loved about this was was that for the majority of the film, the kids are the butt of the joke. Like, you know, that sort of way. Like the, like, the teachers are all going around saying how terrible they are and all the rest of it. And Like you saw there, like they're using chapstick to get into the emotions. And like, there's another joke in it where one of them sings, I had a dream from Les Mis. And it's like, oh, I totally believe you as a French prostitute. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Makes complete, yeah, yeah. Makes complete sense. Um, but yeah, no, this is very, very funny. Like, I mean, if you like, I mean, mockumentaries, we were kind of saying it off air, Declan, that like mockumentaries have been done to death. And I think the US office has a lot to do with that mm. because, you know, generally mockumentaries were very satirical and they did have a sharp edge to them. And I think the US office kind of blunted that a little bit and turned it into more of a sitcom. But in saying that, I think Theatre Camp is brilliant. It's very, very funny. If you liked Spinal Tap, if you liked Waiting for Guffman, if you liked uh, A Mighty Wind, if you liked any of those kind of ones, were you a big fan of A Mighty Wind? Have you seen it? Spinal Tap. Oh, Spinal Tap. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I think if you're a fan of mockumentaries and you're a fan of that kind of uh, fly-in-the-wall comedy, this is absolutely worth a watch. Yeah, no, but like, and probably it doesn't help a bit, though, if... You can, in whatever your mockumentary is, if you yeah. relate to the actual, oh, yeah. actual subject, if you've been to, you know, exactly, you did a lot of yeah. drama when you were a kid. Exactly, like, yeah, like if you serve time in the Billy Barrys or if you serve time in a kind of amateur theatre group or whatever, you will recognise a lot of this as well. Um, I did, so I know what it was like. Um, but yeah, I mean, were you in Billy Barry? Oh my no, God, it was not what? a Billy Barry. No, it was not. Oh, I was not. No, I wasn't. I was in the local theatre group back in Clane. Yeah, right, I had to do okay. the whole acting thing. Yeah, yeah. I was Rumpelstiltskill. Actually, there you go. Okay, but, um, nice. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, like it's. <laughs> Are you making up a backstory now? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the fly. On when he was paying for his own treatment. Yeah. It's, totally made it's improvising. Up. It's improvising. 
<laughs> but um, but yeah, no, like it's and actually on that, a lot of the comedy in this is improvised as well. You can tell that it's very much off the cuff kind of stuff, which makes it funnier. Again, you know, the fact that the actors in this are all veteran comedy people and they know how to kind of get that really sharp edge of comedy in it. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, actually, both the films today we we're talking about these are both in cinemas. These nice. are both in cinemas. Yeah, and I would say Theatre Camp is the better of the two. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds absolutely that, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll that. go and see that. Yeah, you should after you see Barbie. Yeah, go I'm going that. to go and see Barbie. <laughs> okay, I will go and see Barbie. Yeah, God. And I've just been told there's a vineyard in Mayo, by the way. A, new, a vineyard in, in a Mayo. A vineyard in Mayo. They're just bringing up everywhere. So yes, they are. Exactly. That's Louis Walsh's vineyard. His cousin. Right. That's our. That is our lot. Ah, that time whisk past and what say. I'm sorry about that. It's all over. Uh, thanks to Brian and Declan and Barbara and Leslie and Fanula. Uh, also thanks to the, to the huge amount of people who put all this together. Uh, that's Carl O'Sullivan, Paul Buckland, David Slavin, Jack Lawler, Maurice O'Sullivan, Michael Quilligan, John Byrne and uh, Sean Reedy who uh, was producing an outside broadcast for the first time for us uh, today. And did an absolutely fantastic job. And uh, uh, Kieran's up next on News Talk, of course. We're going to play you out with the Dublin Ukulele Collective once again. Here's Proud Mary. Have a lovely weekend. and booze on Moncrief on News Talk.